0: It's always good to see people on a Wednesday night. I know you work hard all week long, but I look at Wednesday nights as that shot in the arm, that uh, boost of encouragement that we need just to make it to the end of the week. Uh, It gets us through. We've made it halfway, and now tonight we're saying, Lord, come, fill me up. Uh, so that I can make it the last half of the week, and he will do just that. If you have your word tonight, go ahead and turn to the book of Mark, um, chapter 11. Yeah, we've been there. We've been there for a week or two and uh, made a mistake. I didn't start Mark May 15th. I actually started May 1st. Uh, A friend of mine who's watching online in California uh, Today, she and I were talking, and she said, it wasn't March 15th. I clicked on March 15th, and you were already on verse 13. So all the way back to May 1st of 2019 is when we started this study. Uh, But it just keeps getting better. Uh, That's the Word of God. That's not me. Uh, But the Word of God, the anointed Word of God, it just keeps getting better. So tonight, we're going to be Mark 11, verses 15-15 through 19, I first thought it was going to be very uh, ambitious and get through verse 26, but uh, I quickly realized that was not going to happen tonight. So I'm going to go ahead and start reading. If you're there, say amen. amen. And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out cast out them who sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them who sold doves. And would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And right here, I just want to say this. Man is always looking for a shortcut, but there's no shortcuts with Jesus. There's only one way, and that's Jesus. He said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. That's just a little bonus there. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. And when evening was come, he went out of the city. Now tonight, in order for us to truly understand the text... Uh, that we just read, we must first understand the temple, the significance of the temple itself, because this is mainly what this is dealing with. And I know you know this, uh, but at one time, God had a physical temple located here on earth in Jerusalem, where he dwelt. Uh, He now has a perfect temple located in heaven, that being the person Jesus Christ Himself, um, we know this to be true because it is written uh, in John two eighteen through twenty two. Jesus Himself says, uh, "Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things?" Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. Verse 22, when therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said, referring to himself being the physical representation of the temple. So as God once had a physical temple in Jerusalem, he now has a personal temple scattered all around the world as witnesses, that he is indeed the Savior of all nations. 1 Corinthians 3 and 16 says, Know you not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. That's how he has a personal temple scattered all across the world. It's believers, because we are now the temple of God, that temple again is you and me, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, and I hope you're taking notes. If not, you can go back and write these scriptures down. These are powerful scriptures that need to get deep into your spirit, realizing who you are, whose you are, what you represent. Verse 19 says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We belong to the Lord. Once we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we're not our own anymore. We now belong to the Lord. The temple is anyone whosoever, whoever recognizes that they are not their own, that they are bought with a high price, the precious blood of the Lamb without spot or blemish. And what we just read, as I said last week, um, the cursing of the fig tree was a parable in action, and we now see Jesus fulfilling this parable in reality as he identifies the den of thieves. Uh, As he said to the fig tree in Mark 11 and 14, we're going back to last week, Jesus uh, answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And now he's walking in, the next day he's walking in to the temple, what's supposed to be a house of prayer. Now he just cursed the fig tree, it died, it withered from the root up. But now he's walking into what should be the house of prayer. And what does he find? He finds money changers. He finds, uh, he compares it to robbers and thieves. And what does he do? It angers him. So he turns over the tables. What he did to that fig tree, he is now in a sense doing uh, here in the temple. No man is going to come to this house anymore and and be exposed to what's going on in here. This is going to stop today. In a sense, that's what he's saying. This is going to stop today, and I'm sure the disciples were still a bit confused at the moment uh, as to how this is all connected, but Jesus wasn't concerned with that. He was concerned with cleaning his house. I think today... The church of God, and I'm not meaning that as the denomination, I'm just meaning a church that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, needs to be concerned with the Holy Spirit doing the work of cleaning the house. Making the house, once again, a house of prayer to all nations, to anyone who would walk through those doors. That should be our goal, that should be our cry, that should be our desire. It doesn't matter if we understand it, just, Lord, do it. Lord, come. Lord, have your way. Uh, Are you concerned with trying to make sense of everything? Sometimes we do, sometimes we get caught up in that, but tonight I'm praying we would just say, Lord, come and clean this house. Come clean up this house tonight, Lord. I don't want anything in my life, Lord, that could hinder someone from coming to know you. We should take our salvation that serious. We should take our um, privilege, our call to be a witness for Jesus Christ that serious, that, Lord, if there's anything in my life That would cause one to stumble. That would cause one to say, "Uh, I don't know about that. They say they're this, but I see this. Lord, if that's going on in my life, any area of my life, come and clean my house. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what he longs to do. That's what he desires to do. But guess what? He's a perfect gentleman, and he's waiting on you, and he's waiting on me to invite him in to do that work that needs to be done, to touch those areas of our lives that haven't been touched in a very long time. And it makes me think about the backside of your TV. Before we all had flat screen TVs, you know, the little bump out thing. There would be this much dust collected on the back of my TV at times. I would forget that it existed back there. Sometimes it would be enclosed uh, in an entertainment center, and I really couldn't get to it. Uh, Aaron and I were just talking. When you move, you find out, oh, God, my house is really dirty. I just had so much stuff hiding all the dirt. Those are the areas that the Lord desires to come in and clean up tonight. Tonight he wants to do that. Well, why are you saying tonight? Because we're here. He's here. His Word's going forth. He's tilling up the soul of our hearts to receive this Word and then allow the Holy Spirit to do that work, to clean us up, to clean up the temple. Why? Because time is short. And there is a lot of people out there that does not know the Lord, and I want to be the greatest witness that I can possibly, possibly be for the Lord. There's nothing in this world that is worth ruining my witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. There's no pleasure. There's no fame. There's no money. There's nothing worth losing my witness for the Lord. And it happens. The enemy is uh, deceitful. He's deceiving. He's crafty. He knows what he's doing. He can jump out of nowhere and make you run into him and you know, do something crazy. I just started laughing because most of you probably saw the video of my husband scaring the bejeezes out of me yesterday as I was back there vacuuming. If I had the strength, I would have picked the vacuum up and hit him with. <laughs> But I'd already vacuumed all of this, and I was tired by the time I was back there. So all I could do was squeal like a pig. But that's how the enemy does at times. He just jumps out and gets us, and we got to be on guard. we got to be ready, right? We don't want to lose our witness over something silly. And it happens. Uh, it happens all the time. So it doesn't matter if we understand it. We just need to ask the Lord to do it tonight. You see this, the temple had been uh, of G- on Jesus' mind all night. The night before, he had been thinking about the temple all night. He had cursed the fig tree. He had went uh, to rest, to sleep, and his heart was broken, I imagine, at what the temple had become. His heart was utterly broken. Now remember, this is Tuesday now. He's about to be crucified. Israel had all the leaves of religion. He just had made his triumphal entry everyone was singing his praises and now he goes into the temple to the ones who should be worshiping him and they're doing everything but worshiping him his heart was broken this was to be a place where the Gentiles were free to come and worship pray and offer sacrifices and yet now it was nothing more than a marketplace deals being made, money being exchanged. You see, they would come and had foreign coins that they couldn't uh, use, so they had to be exchanged. So the the priests and the scribes were making quite a bit of money in the upwards of hundreds of thousands of dollars they were making. This was Passover week, so the temple was packed. People were coming from all over, and they knew, oh, I'm really going to make bank this week how horrible right how horrible that supposedly men of God in the house of God robbing people poor people see this was the same place where Jesus's parents themselves came and offered a dove as a sacrifice and yet Jesus returns to it and he finds this don't tell me his heart wasn't broken It broke his heart at what was taking place. Deals being made, money being exchanged. Is it any different today? How many deals are made at the altar week in and week out? The Holy Spirit just really opened my eyes to this as I was studying and preparing to make this parallel, to make this uh, connection. People will come down every time an altar service is made looking to make a deal. Lord, I'll do this if you'll do that. Lord, I promise this time, I'll do this if you'll do that. Lord, I'm going to do it this time, I promise. And then the person gets up and walks away feeling like they've accomplished something. And all the while, the, the person, if they truly had an ear to hear, they would hear the Lord saying, no deal. No deal. There's no deal being made. You know, there was a show that used to come on, Deal or No Deal. And that's what I thought of as the Holy Spirit dropped this in my heart. People will come down. They'll attempt to make deals. They'll even put money in the offering plate attempting to make deals with the Lord. Lord, I'm going to pay 20% of my income if you'll just take this away, if you'll just take this out of my life, Lord. And they'll do that thinking they're making a deal with the Lord, that they're bartering with the Lord. You see, when we begin to deal or barter with God, that is a pagan ritual. We offer a sacrifice in return for something. That's what pagans That's what they offer to their gods. You think of uh, people doing rain dances so that their God will produce rain. They do this, and their God does this. Let me tell you something. That's not Christianity at all. At all. It's not one ounce of Christianity. You see, Christ died once. He was the perfect sacrifice. He's not asking for sacrifice. He's asking for obedience. He's asking for obedience to his word and his word alone. Not obedience to church bylaws, not obedience to man-made doctrine or religion, obedience to the word of Almighty God. Hebrews 6, 9 through 11. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name. In that, you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. That's what he's asking. That, that we love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, not to make a deal with him not to barter with him. The Christian God, the one and only God, Jesus Christ, is nothing like a pagan God, which means we have nothing to offer God that would even make him respond by giving us a favor. We have nothing to offer him. Nothing. God, if you give me this raise, then I'll give you 15% of it. God's not sitting in heaven wondering how he'll be able to finance his work hoping that someone steps up to foot the bill, right? The whole world is his. The whole world is his. God, if you heal me of this sickness, I'll go to church every Sunday. God does not struggle through the week waiting for Sunday to come and hoping more people will show up this time to lift up his spirits. God takes pleasure in true worship. Yes, he does, but he doesn't need it. It's for us. We need it. We need him. There's no deal to be made. God, if you get me out of this difficult situation then I'll stop doing whatever it is I'm doing wrong or start doing something right. See, God's not up there fretting over whether or not people do what is wrong or right. He's commanded us to do right and will justly punish us for doing wrong. That's God. That's God. So God is pleased with our obedience. He doesn't need us to make a deal. As some sort of sacrifice to Him, He has no need. There is no lack in Him. And I know we can't even truly begin to wrap our brains around that, but we think, oh, I got something to give you. No. All He wants is our heart. That's it, that's the only thing. That he desires is our heart. And it's our faith and faith alone that pleases him. And it's not faith in anything that we can do. It's faith that's in what he's already done. His finished work at Calvary. Why does it matter whether or not we can barter with God? Because if we can barter with him, that means we have to accept. If we can't barter with him, that means we have to accept his terms. We can't entice him with our offers. That's what we like to do to one another, right? Remember when you're little and you went to school, the good old days when you get to have lunch in the cafeteria? Not in your room by yourself now. I'll give you my ham and cheese sandwich if you'll give me your slice of pizza. That's not God. We can't do that with him. We can only accept His offer. He's not impressed by our promises of service or obedience and will not respond to them, but he of his own will determined to offer us a relationship with him as a gift on the basis of faith, faith in Jesus Christ. And we've got to fully submit ourselves to him, right? And then receive by faith salvation and everything else that he promises to give us. God is the one who establishes what he will do and what we will do, and we either accept or reject that, and that's it. So why did this anger the Lord so much? Because the bartering inhibited true worship, true heartfelt prayer by the Gentiles, because that's who they were stopping from coming and praying and worshiping, and offering a sacrifice. Again, this is the culmination, the climax, second only to the crucifixion of Israel sealing the deal of doom and destruction. They had sealed the deal. You see, Israel wouldn't stop at their own destruction. They wanted all to be shortchanged and miss the Messiah. Even if that truly wasn't how they were thinking, that's what was happening, And guess what? The Lord holds us accountable for those things when we stop someone from being able to come in to worship. And we'll talk about it a little more next week with forgiveness and unforgiveness. Things like that. As I said at the beginning, I never want anything in my life that would prohibit, that would stop someone from walking into this place and worshiping freely. Lord, if I wronged someone 10 years ago, show me. Because they might show up at the door. And I don't want them to walk in and say, oh God, I didn't know she came here, and turn around and walk out. It happens. And I don't want that to be true of me. I know you don't want that to be true of you. And that's what was happening. They got all caught up. Uh, Exactly what happens again in the The church today, all across the world, hey, look at all of our leaves of religion, all of our programs, our heart for community, our unity, we're all coming together. Come be a part of what we are doing. Let me tell you, if you hear that, come be a part of what we are doing, that should be your first red flag. Because if man is doing something, I don't want to have anything to do with it. All I want to be a part of is what the Lord's doing, what he's doing. We are to be about our father's business. That's it, and that's all, nothing else. Jesus, in the midst of all of this, asked them a question in verse 17 of Mark 11. And this is actually the title for my message tonight, if you're keeping up with that. He says, and he taught saying unto them, the title is, is it not written? My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. See right here where it says my house shall be called of all nations proves right there that this is not a white man's gospel, a black man's gospel, a Hispanic gospel, an Asian gospel. This is a gospel for all. For whosoever will. Jesus is giving Scripture as foundation. He always had Scripture as his foundation, and so should you and me. We should always have Scripture for our foundation. I was having a conversation today with someone, and that's exactly what we were talking about. As good as it might sound, feel, seem, If it does not line up with the Word of God, let it go. Get rid of it. It does not matter. It's not worth it in the end. Isaiah 56 and 7 is what Jesus is referring to when he says, is it not written? He's taken them back to the Old Testament, which they should have known. Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. He refers to the temple as being a house of prayer. Then, if you will go to Jeremiah 7, 11, he then quotes, and he tells what it's become, a den of robbers in your eyes. Behold, even I have seen it, says the Lord. His house was foretold that it would become a den of robbers, a den of thieves. And let me just take a moment to tell you how important it is to know the Old Testament. You need to know the Old Testament. You need to study the Old Testament. Someone said the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And that's exactly what it is. One, if not the main reason that so many fall into false teaching is because they do not have the foundation knowledge of the Old Testament. You've got to know it to recognize it when it comes walking through the doors. Tammy and I were just talking about that. The Lord had really confirmed something to her yesterday morning, a discussion we had had on Sunday. And then she opens her devotion, and there it is, and it was in the Old Testament, Second Kings. That's where it was all laid out. That's where it was all foretold. He gave us all of the warnings that we need right now in the Old Testament. And so many times before I came and received the message of the cross, the Old Testament really didn't make sense to me. I couldn't connect the dots. But now that I know that it's a finished work at Calvary, and from Genesis to Revelation, there is a a thread going all the way through it. It's all about the cross. It's all about Jesus. When you keep that in your mind, reading the Old Testament, it all makes sense. It all begins to line up. So don't just read the New Testament. You need the Old Testament. You need it. It's going to be to your benefit. So if Jesus cleansed the temple nowadays, I wonder how many would be left. Hmm. I wonder how many would be left. Jesus is saying, this has got to go, I'm all you need. I'm all you need. You don't need to be buying and selling and, and all of this stuff. You need to be worshiping me. You need to be on your face before me. Because I'm all you need. I'm the one and only one who can do anything about what you're facing. He is to be the sole occupant of the house. I'm talking about right here. You can put your hand on your chest right here, Lord. I want you to be the sole occupant. Of this house, where you're free to do whatever you desire. I'm asking him to come and cast out everything that's undesirable to him in my life tonight. And I pray that you do the same, because see, when he comes in, the next step is to cast out. Because when he comes, he doesn't come just to tiptoe around things. He comes; he means business when he comes. Everything changes when we're in the presence of Almighty God. We can stop that for ourselves personally. We can stop him from coming in and and searching those deep areas of our lives. But why would we want to? Because he's going to make us better. He's going to cast out those things that are sucking the life out of us and that we think we really need them. When really, if you let it go, you're like, wow, gosh, I feel so much better. Everything that he does is to better us. It's not to hurt us. It's to help us because he loves us. I want us to become that house of prayer for all nations. I don't want the junk in my life to keep anyone, again, from coming to Christ. And I'm going to tell you tonight, and I've been praying this. I know most of you have been praying this. I'm asking for the nations. I'm asking for the Lord to send people in from the north and the south and the east and the west because I know the answer. I know the solution. I know the remedy to this world's problems, and his name is Jesus. There is no other name. There is no other solution, no other remedy. It's Jesus. He's all we need. He's all you need. And sometimes when we begin to think of the nation, we begin to think of the world, our minds kind of get, oh, it's too big. But we've got to go back and realize he cares for you. He wants to clean your house. He wants to clean this temple for you tonight so that then we can be that witness that he's called us to be. Verse 18 I want you to get this. It says, And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. See, this was the first time that the scribes and the chief priests had come together. They were coming together now, forming an alliance to destroy Jesus. Why did it anger them so much? Because they were the thieves and the robbers themselves. And Jesus was calling them out. You who should know better. Right? I'm putting it in my my words. I cannot believe that you're doing what you're doing. Right? I mean, this is what's going on right now, and it has so infuriated them that they have laid aside their differences to come together to now destroy him. And I want you to pay attention to that, not just kill him, because that's what they were going to do, but they wanted to destroy him, meaning they set out to destroy his influence as the great spiritual energy in the world that he had become. And to do this, they would accuse him of many things. They would accuse him of insurrection against Rome, blasphemy, uh, respecting the law of Moses. They accused him of performing miracles by the power of Satan, and on and on and on. We've heard all of this from the beginning of the teaching of Mark. They wanted to erase history. All day long, I'm like, Summer, you're not going there. Summer, you're not going there. Summer, you're not going there. I was reading over this at 11 o'clock. Summer, you're not going there. I read over it at 3. You're not going there. Here it is, almost 8 o'clock, and I'm here. Do you see? Do you see what's being fulfilled right now before our very eyes and attempt to erase history, to destroy his influence in our lives right now in 2020? Wow. Wow. Over 2,000 years ago, we're talking about. And we're seeing it happen again right now. At this very moment in our lives, people who never Never would have come together. But now they're coming together. Why? Oh, it has nothing to do with the president. Yeah, they hate him. It has to do with Jesus Christ. They want to silence the number one export that we have in this United States, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And alliances are being made right now. To do their best to erase and to destroy it all. But guess why? I've read the last page. (laughs) I know who wins. (laughs) We win. We can't be stopped. We can't be silenced. His word is going to continue to go forth. And if they shut my mouth, they'll open my sons. They'll open my daughters. It's going to go on and on and on. And even the rocks themselves will begin to cry out. They're already crying out for their Redeemer. As much as they tried... It's the same thing. The grave couldn't hold him. Amen. He rose in three days and he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And soon and very soon, he's coming to get us. We are victorious, church. We are victorious in Christ Jesus. And we will not be silenced. He always has a remnant. He will have his church. He will have his bride. And that's you and me. We've just got to hold on. We've got to dig in our heels and say, I don't care who's against me. The Lord's for me. Right? No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. If Christ be for me, who can be against me? We're on the winning side tonight. We are on the winning side tonight. Verse 19, and I'm closing. And when evening was come, he went out of the city.
1: He left.
0: You see, he he didn't, the only time he spent a night in Jerusalem was before his crucifixion. He didn't even desire to go there. But the Holy Spirit told him he had to. He did not desire to even go there. And I I have to wonder how many churches these days that he has no desire to even go there because he's been pushed out for so long. He's been pushed to the side for so long. He's been ignored. He's been replaced by money changers, by robbers and thieves. And he leaves. He just walks out. And when he walks out, all that's left over the door is Ichabod. That's what's written. He's no longer there. The Spirit has left. Lord, don't ever let that happen here. There's a remnant here, I know, and I believe. You're here tonight. You're maybe viewing online. You love the Lord with all your heart. And even at that, there are areas that he desires to clean up in each and every one of our lives each and every one of our lives and I get excited I don't know about you maybe ladies I get excited when I have a clean house It just makes me feel good I can breathe for 20 seconds until somebody comes running through the house but those 20 seconds they're good (laughs) my laundry basket is empty there's no clothes in the washer or the dryer I have succeeded. It's a good day. And then everybody comes home and changes clothes. But, but it excites me at the thought of the Holy Spirit coming and cleaning this house. Oh, so I can breathe. So I can walk around with my head lifted high, knowing in whom I have believed. No more shame No more guilt, no more worry, stress, anger, bitterness. He wants to come and clean that up tonight in us. There are dusty areas in each and every one of our lives. And he's coming. He's here to clean us up. So tonight I'm going to ask you to stand And as Vanessa plays the song, I'm going to trust that you're going to respond to the Holy Spirit. And you're going to allow him to clean you tonight. That you're going to go out shining. Right? So, Vanessa, go ahead. from the brazen altar, Lord, that, Lord, tonight lives have been touched, Lord, lives have been cleaned up, Lord, things have been cast out, Lord, never to be brought up again, Lord, We thank you and we praise you, Lord, for the work that has taken place. But, Lord, I know and believe that there's an even greater work that you're going to continue to do in and through each and every one of our lives as we continue to hold your word up as our standard, Lord, each and every day going to you, Lord, asking you to dress this vine, Lord, to cut away death, Lord, so that life can break forth. I know, Lord, you're going to honor those prayers. We give you praise, we give you glory and honor, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. God is good, amen? amen. He's good, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He is good. I want to make one um, correction. Uh, our online given is temporarily down. Hopefully that's going to be... Um, cleared up by maybe the end of the week. Um, so we had to switch accounts. So if you would like to pay your tithes, again, you can mail them to P.O. Box 570, Denver, North Carolina, 28037. Or you can come pay them in person. You can be here. We'll see you at church on Sunday. Love you guys. Don't forget the baby shower Saturday, 11 to 1. Holy, the holy.
1: Hey